0: Well hello, Abundant Life. We're glad that you're joining us today. Today I have the blessing of sharing with you the Word of the Lord. I hope that you've had a great weekend so far and that you are gathered with family or with others or even if it's you by yourself, that you're positioned and ready to hear the Word. Today I'm going to be coming from the book of Isaiah chapter 62. And we're going to read verses 1 through 7. That's what we're going to focus on today. And I'm reading from the ESV, or the English Standard Version of the Bible. But whatever version you have is fine. Just follow along with me. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. Until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be made or you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of our God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Today, I want to focus on the topic, give him no rest. Give him no rest. The book of the Bible that we're looking in is Isaiah. And Isaiah is one of the major prophets in the Bible. Isaiah is the book that actually begins the prophecy of the Old Testament. So he begins and he says all of these prophecies. He speaks all of this word from God. He's foretelling things. He's saying of things that God has told him to say to Jerusalem, to the children of Israel. Isaiah kind of represents a mini Bible because it has actually 66 chapters in it. And just like the Bible, the first 39 that represent the Old Testament, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah do address the Old Testament, and then the latter 27 talk about things that are coming in the New Testament. Isaiah speaks about Jesus being a suffering servant. This particular chapter that we're looking at, chapter 62, is written and it's in the middle of 56 and 66 where the prophet Isaiah is addressing the shame and the glory of Israel. But this particular chapter looks at the glory. Isaiah's purpose, he had a threefold purpose. Well, first of all, he was to make God's message clear to Israel. He wanted Israel to know, look, God's got something to say. And here it is. Make sure that you hear it. The second thing he was about was Isaiah was a prophet that would warn Israel about their sin and their rebellion. And he let them know that, look, God's not happy with this. He's not happy with your sin. He's not happy with your actions. And he warns them and he says judgment is coming, but there is also hope. There's hope in that suffering servant, in Jesus. There is a hope that you have and he's reminding the children of Israel of that hope. And lastly, Isaiah is also, he reveals the dealings of God. He helps us to see how God moves and how he deals with his people. This chapter, as I said before, is, is speaking of some declarations, some promises that God has made to the children of Israel. Now, Isaiah is a prophet who existed along the span of four different kings. So he was a part of the kingdom, the southern kingdom, when the children of Israel, they were 12 tribes, they were split. Ten were the northern kingdom, and two were a part of the southern kingdom. And Isaiah was the prophet that was called to minister during the span of four different kings, of Uzziah, of Jotham, of Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And he was a prophet during that time frame. So let's take a look here about how we can not give God any rest. So as we look at verse one, where he says, for Zion's sake, I won't hold my peace. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet. So he's speaking here and he's saying, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to speak up because of what God is doing in the church. And because of what God is doing with Jerusalem and Judea and, 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 and Judah, I'm going to say something. I'm going to speak up. He wants them to, he's reminding them that God has some promises that he's spoken to them. And because of that, he's not going to be quiet. And because of that, he's going to keep on speaking and keep on speaking. Because you see, back in the day and even now, some people don't want to hear what prophets have to say. They want him to be quiet. It's like, oh, that person who keeps coming and bringing you something or reminds you of something that you need to do or reminds you of a promise. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. And so we try to shush that person. And Isaiah is saying, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. I'm going to give this message, however strong it is, however painful it might be for you to hear it. I'm going to say it. He understood that. If he was called, and since he was called to be a prophet of God, he needed to speak forth. He needed to say what God was asking of him to say. And one of the first promises, he says, is because of righteousness. And righteousness means to be in right standing with God. And Isaiah knew that he said, well, because of what was happening with the Babylonians and the children of Israel being in exile, and he said, look, all of this stuff that's going on, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak of this. I want to call you forth so that you can be in the place where God would want you to be and that other nations can see that these are God's chosen people and that God has something in store for them. And he says to them the promise of salvation. So not only does God promise them to be in right standing with him, but he's promising them salvation. He's promising them deliverance. He's promising them welfare and prosperity. I'm not talking financial prosperity, but I'm talking health and wellness. And he says that in spite of all that's going on, God wants you to know that the promise that he's given to you is still there. And he's saying, look, I don't want you to forget it. I want you to know. And he says, all of the Gentiles in verse 2, all of the Gentiles are going to see your righteousness. So the promise there is that others are going to see. See, there are things that God has promised us and we're still waiting for. There are things that he's invited us to still ask him for. And he's like, look, those promises are still there. And others are going to see it just Continue. There's something I'm asking of you in order for the others to see it. He also promises him something. He says, there is a new name that's coming to you. And he says that the new name, it's going to speak of your condition. That new name, Hezabah, that new name that's coming to you. He says, not only are you going to be in right standing, not only will others see it, but I'm going to give you a new name. I know sometimes when uh, I should say when I remember becoming a Christian and first coming to this church, we was an old one of the old hymns we would sing. And it was a new name. I have a new name written down in glory and it's mine. Oh, yes, it's mine. And I remember singing that and not understanding it fully. But as I began to dig deeper and to speak with people in the church and read my Bible and understand that when we become a Christian, when we come to Christ, then our name is written down and God sees it new and it's written down and he sees it as a new and a fresh name and a new and fresh beginning as a believer, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And he says to them, your name is going to be new. And he says, I'm also going to call you Beulah because your." love land is going to be married and when you think of that you go land doesn't get married people get married and he's using the analogy to say look when someone gets married it's you don't just get married just to to, to say oh that's my wife or that's my husband But there's an understanding that there is fruitfulness that comes from that. There's a connection when you're married. There's a connection that's supposed to be there. And I know in COVID, it's showing us a whole new level of connection. But when, when you say I'm married to my job or I'm married to my house or I'm married to this individual There's a deeper connection there. And God is promising his people, look, others are going to see how connected you are to me and how connected I am to you. Others are going to see and they're going to know. And he reminds them, he says, I love you so much that I want you to know that your new name, your connection to me is going to be so strong but he goes on to say how this is going to take place. He says it's going to take place through the watchmen, through the people. So as we go down go down to verses actually let me go back to verse 3. He says, "I'm going to also more promises. I'm also going to put a crown of glory It's it's going to be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of the Lord. So a crown and a diadem. Now, some would say they're the same thing. But Isaiah here makes it specific. Isaiah here is specific about two different things. Now, a crown speaks of royalty, And a diadem also speaks of royalty, but it also speaks of rank, that you're in a position because you're in a certain family, that the diadem, this beautiful jeweled crown that is yours. And God is saying to his people, look, you're my people now, so I've ranked you. I have put you in a position of authority, and I'm going to put it on display so much so that in my hand, the place where blessings go, I'm promising you this place of royal diadem or this position of a diadem and a crown. He's putting there to remind them of their dignity, of their rank, of this place of honor. And he says, I don't want you to forget don't you be silent because I have given, I've promised you this place of, of rank and authority. He promises, he says, you're not going to be forsaken anymore. Verse 4, he says, you're not going to be forsaken and your land's not going to be desolate. He says, I'm taking delight in you. I'm making you fruitful and I'm connecting you. Why or how is this going to take place? Well, in verse 6, he says, I have set watchmen upon thy walls. And this is where I wanted the space I want to get to. The watchmen. I've put watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem which shall never hold their peace day or night, and you who make mention of the Lord keep not silent. Watchmen people who are looking out. See, watchmen in the Old Testament, they were people who were a, a different type of people, meaning they had a special assignment to look out and to see over. There were large walls and cities had walls and gates around them. Literally that watchmen could walk on these places and they could look out and see over. They were to alert of any danger. They were to see and they, they had to pay attention to what was happening. The seasons the times if there were certain sounds that watchmen were responsible for looking out and seeing and God is saying here look Jerusalem these promises I've made to you yes I've made these promises and because of that I have watched people I've got people that are looking out and these people God gives an invitation to them he says do not hold your peace day or night Do not hold your peace. And in verse 7, he goes on to say, and give him no rest. See, these watchmen, you couldn't be asleep on the wall. If you had an assignment, you had an assignment and you were responsible for a city, for a house, for a neighborhood, you could not take a rest you had to finish your assignment and then someone would come and replace you. I remember when we went to London and in London they have these guards and they they, they 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 those guards they walk stiff, they have these tall hats on and these guards they they don't fool around. They're rifles in their hand and they march and they turn a certain way and and When we watched them, we went to see them, and different people tried to distract them, tried to jump in their face, and tried to see if they could get the watchmen to either leave their post or even to laugh. They didn't even sneeze. They didn't flinch. People were doing all kinds of crazy things and waving stuff, trying to make them laugh. They were on their post. They were watching. They were watching the walls and they could not be moved. They didn't rest. They walked up and down. They walked up and down, turned. They had a rhythm, walked up and down. And as I, when I saw that and I thought of this passage here, God has set watch people. God is inviting us into a place of prayer where, we, where he invites us. He says, look, you don't rest and I won't rest. If you don't rest in your prayers, if you don't get to the place where you're comfortable, if you don't get to the place where you're going, oh, I prayed already. I'm done. Let me go do something else. If you will continue to. Call on me and you will continue to ask of me and you will continue to knock on that door until I answer. And you continue to ask, God, this is an invitation. He's inviting. He says, look, I've set people on these walls and I'm inviting them to not let me rest. When I was 16, I wanted a leather coat. And I asked my mother over and over for a leather coat. And I think, like the parable Bishop preached about last week in Luke 18, avenge me of my adversary, avenge me, the widow woman kept asking of that unjust judge, I think my mother finally just got tired of me asking and just said, okay, I'm going to get you a leather coat. I got my promise now. She promised me this leather coat. Now, I had a promise that it was going to come, but nothing manifested. So I kept asking, and I kept asking. And it wasn't because my friends had a leather coat, because some of my friends didn't even have it. I think I saw it on TV. I saw someone on one wearing one on TV, and I'm like, I like that coat. And I could see myself in that coat. And I said, hmm, I want that coat. I want a leather coat. And so my mother made me the promise, and I said, okay, okay. And you know what? I gave her no rest. I nagged. I begged. I asked. If we were in the store, I'd go get a coat and say, Ma, see, like, this, this is what I want. And she'd go, okay, okay, it's going to come, it's going to come. And I'm like, Ma, where's the coat? I, I, my sisters were sick of me asking about it. My family members, was, they were like, will you just give her the coat already? But it took time. I didn't give my mother any rest. What does that word rest mean? So that word rest, it means to be not just quiet, but it also means to pacify. It also means to be undisturbed. It means to be in a place where you just cease. You just chill. God invites people here. He invites us. He says, I want you to be like watchmen's on the wall and don't give me any rest. There are promises that he's made to us of position. There's promises of us to be in right standing with him. There are promises that he's made to us. And he's asking, look, you can have this, but you can't rest and neither can you allow me to rest until I establish, until I bring it to pass, until it manifests. I think about the times where we pray and Bishop has us now in the season where we're praying as a body, but also he's calling us to pray individually so that we collectively can be a house of prayer. But I wonder how many of us are resting in prayer. How many of us prayer is maybe a small portion of our life, but we are not on that wall. We are not day and night. We are not calling on him. We are not asking. We are not giving him no rest. We are allowing God to 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 to, to to move in his timing instead of us. And yes, he will still move in his timing, but how many petitions are we sending up? How much prayer are we sending up? How much are we calling upon him and saying, God, I need you to move in my child's life. God, I need you to move in this situation on my job. Lord, I need you to move. Are we looking, are we calling on scripture? Are we using everything that we have available to us so that we don't give God rest? Now, I think about it because when you think about that also and you go, well, he, he asked us to rest because we have six days of work, a rhythm of six and one of Sabbath. But those six days, how many times and how much are we actually seeking after God? How much are we calling on him? Where well, he's like, oh, there's my son again. Oh, there's my daughter again. They're coming after me. They're not giving me any rest. Not being silent. We have to decide that as watchmen on that wall, and some of you might say, but I'm not an intercessor. That's not my ministry gift. And I would say to you, yes, there are certain people who have a ministry gift of intercession. However, we are all called to stand in the gap. And Isaiah, the prophet also says, I looked for somebody. The Lord was looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He was looking for an intercessor. And in Isaiah 59, and he couldn't find one. He couldn't find one. And I wonder if the conditions in our households, I wonder if the conditions in our communities, I wonder if the conditions in our state, in our government, in our world, are so because God is waiting for some people to take him up on the invitation to not give him any rest until he establishes Jerusalem until he establishes until he makes it fixed until he makes it secure until he does what he says he's gonna do for Jerusalem and then he makes it a praise in the earth he says okay you can once you have made it a praise once I've established it once I've made it a praise now what do you mean by make it a praise it's not just the praise and adoration and the glory to God hallelujah that we do but he's also saying here that that praise he says once it becomes an object of God's glory. Once it becomes something that is demanded or it is explained or described by the qualities or the attributes of God. So when God looks at your home or God looks at the church and he goes, wow, and others look at it and go, wow, look at that. That must be God. So the praise is about they see God in that situation. They see God in our homes. They see God even in the church. Today, sad to say, the church has been plagued by so many issues. Between moral failures and even now, the church has been sitting in a space of waiting to, can we open our doors again? And we open our doors to do the same thing we've done before. Maybe God, maybe God's invitation to us in this season to pray, to not allow him to rest in this season so he can make his church once again a praise in the earth. Maybe as we come out of this season, as COVID has changing the landscape and how we do church, and maybe out of this, the church will become a praise once again. And we won't be ashamed. We won't be embarrassed. We won't be, oh, do you go to church? Yeah. And we won't have to hold our head in shame. Maybe in this place, maybe in this invitation of prayer to not give God rest, We'll see some different things coming out of it. I continued to ask my mother for that coat until she established it in my closet. And I'm glad to say today I have. I still have my leather coat from when I was 16 years old and begged my mother for this coat. You see my wide lapels? I didn't make it up. This isn't a brand new leather coat. This leather coat might be older than some of you that are watching. But this coat represented my mother's love for me. She made me a promise, and she kept it. She said, I'm going to do that for you. And though it took a while, and though I had to continue to petition. And though I had to ask, I didn't give her no rest. Now, there was some work I had to do. This didn't just come about because I wanted it and sat back and said, thanks, Ma. I did say thank you. But this came about as a constant, relentless call and request. I didn't give her any rest. And I believe God's invitation to us is to not give him rest until we see things established in the earth. I believe the invitation to us from God is to not give him a rest until the church is once again a place of praise. And how do we do that? Is through the place of prayer. It is through the personal and individual spaces, the daily disciplines of seeking God, the daily disciplines of calling upon Him, the daily disciplines of creating a prayer strategy where you're praying over every aspect of your life. I know you're waiting for the three points. It's one point today, prayer, to give God no rest through prayer. I'm here today to restir and to even, some of you are already, you're like, I'm there, I'm praying. I'm here today to call you into a deeper place of prayer. That we get to a space where we give God no rest. There was one day This past week where my husband and I, we were both awakened like three o'clock in the morning. And, you know, sometimes if that happens to you, if you've ever been awakened three or four o'clock in the morning to pray by the Holy Spirit, you try to roll over and get that extra five minutes or you, you try to ignore it, you try to shake it off. And neither one of us could shake it off. So we paused and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we saw the sunrise, and we kept praying, and then we joined the morning prayer call. This space of giving God no rest, and we were tired. It required something of us. Yes, we were tired. We were very tired that day, but there was a joy that also came. There was a strengthening that came from knowing that we took the time to answer the invitation to give God no rest. So I want to invite you today to pause and to reflect on what area in my life do I need to be back on the wall on? Maybe it's what's happening at your job, maybe it's a family situation, maybe there's something going on inside your heart and your mind and your. I need God to help me with this because I got comfortable. I rested. You know, I prayed about it, but I I got to a place of quiet. I'm not speaking on it. I'm not speaking the word of the Lord over it. I'm not saying over it what I need to. See, there's a place as a Christian where we need to show the evidence of a life of prayer. In the book, A Call to Prayer, J.C. Ryle states, out of all the evidences of the real work of the Spirit, a habit of hearty, private prayer is one of the most satisfactory that can be named. If you're living a life where your heart, you've got a hearty, a healthy lifestyle of prayer. That will be evident by those around you, and more importantly, your Heavenly Father. So I want to invite you to not give God rest, that those times and seasons he invites you to. And that means sometimes you're just not going to feel like praying. Can I say it like that? You are not going to feel like it. And in those times anyway, I want to invite you. I want you to hear the actually the invitation of the Lord to be the watchman on the wall. Even when you don't feel like it, roll yourself over, shake yourself. Wipe the, the stuff out of your eyes, rinse your mouth out, brush your teeth, whatever you need to do to shake yourself and enter into the place of prayer. And if you're like, I don't know what to say, you can look up prayers and you can read them. God hears those. There are books on prayer. And you might say, well, somebody else wrote it. Yes, and somebody else prayed it. And you too can pray it. There are there are plenty of resources, prayers that avail much. There are plenty of resources that can help you jumpstart you in prayer. Maybe you need to call somebody and say, I need a prayer partner right now. Can I, will you pray with me once a week? Will you pray with me? And now let's be intentional about what we're praying about. So I want to invite you to take the nesty plunge, as it were, or to take the plunge into a deeper place of prayer and give God no rest until he establishes that promise in you until he makes a praise over your home over your job over your education over your family over you can we pray together father we thank you for this day and this time that you are inviting us to give you no rest And we understand that that means we don't get to rest either because we have to, some of us, we have to change our lifestyles because we're so busy. We're squeezing prayer in as we're maybe walking to, to the bathroom or we're squeezing prayer in in the shower, but we're not making a conservative effort to give you no rest. God, for some of us, it means our social media time is going to be cut down. For others of us, it means we've got to turn that television off. For others of us, it may mean giving up something that is special to us, like sleep sometimes, so that we can call on you and seek your face. But God, I pray that as you stir your people this day to that greater place of prayer, to you stir us to the place where we won't give you rest that we will be those watchmen, and that we will see your praise in the earth, that we will see you establish things in our homes, in our families, in our communities, in our cities, in our states, in our countries, in our globe. So Father, we thank you today. And for some of us, we receive the invitation. And for others of us, Lord, we're, we're gonna shake off the procrastination and we're going to begin again. So we thank you for calling us to this place, and we accept your invitation to give you no rest. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to extend an invitation to those of you that you're saying, well, you know, prayer's always been a little weird for me, and you know, I don't, because I sort of kind of, I don't know God. Or I." Knew a little bit about it when I was growing up. Maybe a parent taught me something, or maybe I went to church here and there. But I'm not in a relationship with God where I feel like I can talk to him. Well, I want you to know that God's ear is open to hearing you. He's waiting to hear you. He wants to hear your voice. Yes, your voice. I'd like to extend an invitation to you to be a part of the family of God. And it begins simply by you confessing the Lord Jesus Christ and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you become saved or you become a believer. That's the first step. Then I wanna encourage you to then connect with a, a faith, a church home. And if you don't have one, you're welcome to be a part of the Abundant Life Church family where we can help you to grow in your faith. If you don't mind, I'd like to lead you in a prayer, and a prayer of faith, so that you can begin your walk, your relationship with Christ. Would you repeat after me? Dear Father, I thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for me. Today, I believe that he rose from the dead I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and receive me as your son or your daughter. Thank you for saving me and thank you for loving me. I accept Jesus and I thank you in Jesus' name. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you prayed it before and you made a, a new decision to come back to being in relationship with Christ, we want to invite you to put that in the chat. Someone will get back to you or also to after, immediately after the service, there will be people on the line one-on-one to pray with you. The phone number is in the chat section. You can also email us at info at alccane.org, and we'll get back to you. We want to make sure that you're growing in your faith and that you're connected to God. I also want to say a prayer for those of you who are, you know that you're called to the ministry of intercession. You're supposed to be praying, and you've gotten distracted or just time has been. I want to say a prayer for you, that in this season of prayer, that you would not be distracted. And in this season of prayer, that you would strengthen your arms once again for this work. So Father, I thank you right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters who you have called to this place of intercession to stand in the gap. But where life has just gotten busy or we've gotten distracted or off task, I pray now we call them back. Even now, would you set them back on their wall to watch to pray, to give you no rest until you establish your works in Jerusalem and until you make a praise in the earth. And I pray, oh God, that as you stir them again, that they would not shake you off in the wee hours of the morning. As you stir them throughout the day, that they would pause and pray for the people you put on their hearts. And I pray this not only for adults, but I pray you call children, young people, young adults into this place of intercession, into this place of prayer. And that the prayers of the saints would go forth before you as incense and you would smell this incense. That you would hear the prayers of the saints and that you would be pleased. And so we thank you, God, for calling us to this place of intercession, to this place of watching, where we give you no rest. We bless you. We praise you. We honor you. In Jesus' name.